folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Episode 222 of Channel Massive. In the year 2012. How appropriate. That's right. We've got twos all over the place, including two co-hosts in this episode. Right. We are a binary podcast. (laughs) Yes. Does that mean one of us is on and one of us is off? Right. I'm off. (laughs) Can't I be off too? What does that equal in binary? Zero? You are zero. (laughs) I'm Noah, actually. (laughs) <laughs> you make them zero from now on And I am one <laughs> I mean Mark <laughs> And together we are Channel Massive <laughs> we, are. we are Channel Massive by God And here and we adding, are Yeah, adding into all of this Two madness, we have two stories That we really want to talk about We're not going to do the intro again We're going to do something a little bit more classically Channel Massive Instead we're going to, after this introduction Jump into some listener feedback and we'll tell you what we've been playing. And then we're going to get to our two discussion topics. First of all, game consoles are dead. So Yes, be prepared. Yeah, the, the, the world has been turned on its ear. So we're going to talk about that. Yes. Long but then, of the course, the other thing that we have to talk about, I insist, is Disney acquiring Lucasfilm. Which Holy crap. That could be... I mean, it's not immediately directly game related, but it definitely is in a lot of respects. And both Mark and I are definitely Star Wars fans. And I, I don't actually, I haven't had a chance to really talk at all with you, Mark, about what you think about this. Just yeah. other than some, like maybe a one sentence reaction. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was about it. So <laughs> I'm really excited to hear if Mark and I have the same opinion or if we have different opinions about that whole thing. And of course I would love to hear if any of you listeners out there have a strong agreement or disagreement with us on the topic. If you have any comments on game consoles being dead or Disney acquiring Lucasfilm, LucasArts, etc., send them into mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Speaking of, let's get into listener feedback. Why, yes. So, Agamemnon wrote in in a in an incredibly understated and nonchalant kind of manner. <laughs> I know you guys are big Steam users. Here's a new exploit for it. Regards, Agamemnon, and then he lists this um, press release from Revoln, who have basically documented in, in some with a PDF and a video and some explanation a vulnerability um, found in Valve's Steam product and uh, explained how it works and how you could how you could take advantage of it uh, as they as they would refer to it an excellent attack vector to exploit local issues in a remote fashion what does that mean i don't know it sounds cool though right i don't know i don't know if i'm supposed to be excited about this or threatened any, by it any 
anytime you can get anytime you're a technical person and you can slip vector into a discussion, it's like a marketer using the word synergy. It just <laughs> just makes you feel warm and tingly all over. So, congrats to them. Um, basically, there's a there's a ton of posts of, or you know articles about it. Um, PC World weighed in, Game Politics weighed in, um, several sites talk about it. Um, Silicon and now Channel Massive is going to weigh in. Now we're going to weigh in. But <laughs> basically, I mean, what it basic what it basically is is you know how you know HTTP colon slash slash is a protocol handler registered with your browsers and everything, right? Yeah. Well, when you install the Steam client, um, it registers a new protocol handler, which is Steam colon slash slash, and that is how this can be. This this is how the um, vulnerability where it comes into play basically, um, and you and somebody with the ability to get something um, posted on Steam or to include it somehow could take advantage of this. And then your computer could go go all crazy and, and gain, you know, sentience and, and run amok and, and, you know, destroy your house. Well, not quite a, that A bad. distinct Puppet Master flavor. Yes, yes, or the Demon Seed or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it could be, it could be bad. Um, and so... Basically, what I'm kind of interested in is the the response from Valve in handling it, and they they kind of talked about their green light process a bit, um, and that they've been gearing up for you know handling an influx of new games, and of course applications are now going to be available, but they haven't really, to to my knowledge, addressed this very well, um, and they've been asked for comment and haven't said anything yet, um, so. I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss for, you know, if they're just busy because they're fixing it <laughs> or attempting to come up with ways to to solve the problem. I don't know, but it sounds like it could be. It could it it does seem like a legitimate exploit from from reading the documentation and what everybody else has kind of written about. And I don't know. I. I guess, I guess I'm I guess I'll wait and see. You know, before I. Go and uninstall Steam and start to just Overreact. buy my games and yeah, <laughs> just start playing on consoles. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Thanks for writing in, Agamemnon. Yeah, it and, was great uh, to hear from you. And yes, um, Noah and I are going to do our homework tonight and figure out how we can exploit this, um, you know, with something on the Channel Massive site. So <laughs> some hidden page. Where if not, goes. take over Agamemnon Steam. Okay. Yeah, that's all we really want is, is <laughs> we want your games. So, uh, but yeah, pretty pretty cool. Thanks for writing in. And yeah. if you would like to write in with any kind of comments, questions, or interesting articles, or to tell us we've been owned, um, feel free to write in to mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmessage.com, or you can find us on Facebook. Don't say that. It's not true. They can't find us on Facebook. They or can find can. a rotting husk, a decayed, Wait. I don't know, yeah. shell. They need some love. We need to work on it. We need a community director, damn it. Yeah. It'll pay really well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all the mail we have for this week. So. Yeah. Always good. Let's oh. get into what we've been playing. Yes. Noah, what have you been playing? All right. Thinking... Thinking, you know what? I haven't really played anything. I played a little bit of League of Legends. the The reason being that 
I was house sitting for the last week and I was away from my precious gaming PC and my gaming consoles and I got all excited about the Steam Halloween sale and I actually purchased some things, but I didn't play anything. Oh, <laughs> I just thought cool. about it. I, I just played a couple matches. I, I played three matches of League of Legends over the last week wow. and two of them were awful and then the third one was like a total domination win on Mike's <laughs> behalf and I felt really good about that and I said alright time to go to bed <laughs> because the first two losses were rather demoralizing you know something that I find about League of Legends and I don't know if this is true about video games in general for you or not Mark is that even if I'm tired if I start playing League of Legends it totally gets the adrenaline going and I'm like I'm yes. awake I'm awake yes it's it's a problem for me because um, I'm used to playing, like, you know, at night when I'm playing games, I'm used to playing MMOs or adventure-type games, and I just get tired. And you can ask one of my coworkers from work about an embarrassing experience where we were trying to finish, a, a uh, like, a dungeon or whatever in um, uh, Star Wars. Um, Older night. Gosh, yes, I'm falling asleep now. But uh, we were in the Old Republic, and I kept falling asleep at the keyboard. And he's like, oh, Mark, because I was the tank. So it was a bit of a problem. <laughs> and uh, The narcoleptic tank. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, we were on Skype, so I'd hear this guy like, Mark. <laughs> I'd be like, what? Hey, what? But, uh, yeah, with League of Legends, it doesn't happen. I could theoretically stay up all night playing the dang thing because I just get too much adrenaline. Yeah, and it's so um, easy to compulsively play that, I swear. Oh, It really is. So it is a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah. all these skins and all these champion sales, Riot has done a good job getting me just so freaking revved up about the game and wanting to spend money on it yet again. Pointless. Yes. They really do have us over a barrel. It's quite sad, really. <laughs> Although over in... Steamland. I was really excited that the sequel to Orcs Must Die went on sale, so I had to get that. And then Mark and I both got this Tower Wars tower defense game because it's yeah. cool. Could, it has not only single player tower defense, but also co op tower defense and versus tower defense, like 3v3 tower defense. Yeah, which, which sounds, sounds too great. good to be true. Yeah. And I also yeah. got, I was gifted, thank you, Mark, FTL, so I'm really looking forward to trying that and giving some impressions on that soon. Yes, now you are gifted and talented. <laughs> Only when I was gifted? in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, since then, that's still been true. <laughs> it takes you back. No, I, I really can't wait to see what you think of FTL. I, I can't say enough about it. I think it's just, it's awesome. It's such a cool retro style. And it's um, sci-fi, which is really sci-fi awesome. has a great soundtrack, which you can actually um, purchase. Well, I think the one that I gifted you comes with the soundtrack separately. Oh. But you can also go to Bandcamp and purchase it if you're just curious, or you just listen to it. You Is it like 16-bit or what? It sounds – well, no. It's it's produced really well. The graphic well. style is kind of 16-bit. Yeah, it, it's it's produced really well, but the instrumentation is 16-bit, but it's obviously you know done with contemporary equipment, but it's the style. Mm-hmm. Um, and by, by that, I just mean it doesn't sound like uh, Duke Nukem 3D music or something where you can actually hear – um, really like weird, like oral artifacts and stuff. It oh, sounds yeah. great. Yeah. So, um, highly recommend it. Cool. And of course, we always recommend League of Legends. It's one of the most reliable ways to randomly run into us yeah. online in the game world, if not Steam. 
On Steam, my handle is this is Noah, and which is the same as my Twitter handle, as it turns out. I, I've kind of taken a I've taken a break from Twitter since my vacation, but I'm trying to get back into it. And then over on League of Legends, my handle is Akindor, A K I N D O R. And I am I am B A H N E on uh, with for Bane with an H. Um, because B-A-N-E wasn't available once in my life. And um, and I don't remember what my Steam name is, honestly. Uh, it is, it's a great question. Is it Dissident? I think it's yeah, D1551D3NT said in Leadspeak. You're such a hacker. Yeah, though I couldn't explain the uh, <laughs> Steam exploit at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a pseudo-hacker. I'm sure you could do it if you really put your mind to it. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, come and find us. It'd be fun to play some League of Legends with some people. Yeah. And we, when we really get into it, we get Skype going and just, well, it's fun because as the night progresses, I start to use more and more profanity, <laughs> which I think is fun. Maybe nobody else does, but but I certainly enjoy it. Um, That's pretty funny. <laughs> Like and I start taunting people who can't hear me. Well, also a good quality of mine. There's some kind of karmic ethos that's going out there. You're yeah. sending energy into the atmosphere that I'm sure is reaching them at some point. I, I think so. I think they feel my wrath. <laughs> Let's get into our discussion topics. You found this great article over on Wired that was published just last week on Friday that says consolation prize. The game console is dead. What will replace it? That's the title of the piece. It's by Chris Kohler, who is one of my favorite video game journalists out there. He's a, an excellent writer. He does really great articles and reviews. He's been around quite a bit and he has a very lengthy detailed editorial explaining how, well, basically smartphones and tablets have come up during this super extended console life cycle and have put the heat on consoles being relevant going forward. Yeah, which is just a, it's a crazy concept. Yeah, because usually we, we, I can't think of how many times on Channel Massive, Mark, where we've talked about PC gaming being dead according to one story or an editorial or another. Right. this This is a weird turnabout that it's now console gaming is dead. Yeah, it's totally backwards from the norm. And I can't say I completely agree with him because the other part of it is it's not just that people are spending time on these really accessible free-to-play games or super cheap games on tablets and smartphones, but just the cost of being competitive and creating a game that people really want to purchase has gotten far too high for so many game developers out there. Right. Yeah, some of them go to, you know, $100 million links to come up with a game, which is bigger than a lot of uh, movie uh, budgets, right? Yeah, Assassin's Creed 3 was an example that was cited in his editor- in Chris's editorial, and I thought it was interesting how the creative director for the game described the game as three years, hundreds of people, far too much money. And it actually was developed, co-developed via five studios around the world, which it's not un, it's not unheard of. I mean, I know that 
Bioshock 2 is like that too. And certainly I'm sure there's many other games that we've played out there that are big marquee titles that certain chunks get split up internationally. Right, right. Yeah, that is pretty wild. I mean, just to think of the effort involved to, to do that. And it's funny, too, because, you know, prior to this one, um, Star Wars The Old Republic was considered the biggest game ever. But people are, but in this article specifically, they're saying, and Ubisoft is saying, this is probably the biggest game ever made, just in level of complexity and, um, you know, parts and everything. And it's it certainly looks like it's a pretty massive undertaking. Oh, yeah pretty interesting stuff yeah those open world games they are they're so demanding because you have to create so much content and i think that's part of the reason why smaller games and indie games have had such a nice resurgence and it's something that's not really addressed here is that there really has been and just as console the the economy of consoles and the foreseeable future of, of consoles as being a major mass market. Everybody around the world loves them. Business, as that starts to decline, during the same time period, we've seen an explosion of small indie games that are really fantastic, not just on smartphones and tablets, but also on our consoles, whether it's via the PlayStation Network, Xbox Live Arcade, Steam. There are so many fantastic small games quote unquote. Oh yeah, totally. They require traditional controllers. They require a keyboard and mouse or they require a console controller and they're awesome. And no, they are not international multi-million endeavors that I could lose 300 hours in unless they're Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they're still really well done. And that's kind of what the gist was. Another one of the underlying points of this editorial was that consoles won't ever go extinct there's always going to be a diehard fan base that i'm sure will include both of us (laughs) yeah i'm I'm pretty sure that's true but they described it as as it's going to become like a hobbyist thing which when i hear hobbyist i think of model trains and and, i don't know senior citizens (laughs) bingo Uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's just like uh, and there was one kind of dire analogy about how, yeah, there are still major video game publishers and developers out there. They, they are far fewer in number, but they their ecosystems, particularly stuff like Call of Duty and Battlefield and Halo, those big games that have huge multiplayer followings depend on these being mass market around the world, non-hobbyist type things that millions of people get into. And I was thinking, I'm like, don't say that. Yeah, no doubt. But then I thought of League of Legends, which is done just fine. Right. It really, yeah. It's not a smartphone game. It's not a tablet game. Not yet. No. I I can't imagine it could. Although, you know, there is a League of Legends, like, tower defense game for smartphones. Hmm. Um. Which is funny. And there's also like um, there's like an application for smartphones. I think there's a few of them that are like strategy guides for your smartphone. For and then you can like put in your champions you're interested in and stuff. This all happened. This all came out during that time where you were non-smartphone enabled. <laughs> so many things that I've missed. I'll never catch up. I'll permanently be behind. <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of a rough time. But, so, Mark, uh, what's your opinion on this? Do you feel that do you agree with what this editorial is saying? 
And when I first read it, you know, my I was like, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? I, I just, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't buy into it, but then I read the dang long article, and I'm like, you know, it's kind of where I'm. I've been all along, right? I mean, yeah. I have, I have, um, I have a lot of consoles, none of which are actively hooked up except for a 360, and uh, that isn't. It used to be kind of the family 360 because we would watch Netflix on it, and um, you know, I mean, its number one use was the Netflix player, and I thought that's kind of an expensive. <laughs> way to, to stream Netflix because you have the 360 and I'm on my second one. I know a lot of people are on their second or third one, even with the light use that we put on it, aside from all the, um, the rock band days when we played it quite a bit. But, um, but so, you know, you have to pay the $50 a year for um, Xbox live to stream. And I thought, you know, this is really kind of a waste of money when I could get, that same performance out of a $70 like Western digital thing or something like that. And so, um, I am pretty much a PC gamer. Um, you know, it has to be an extraordinary. Now I do have a plan to play mass effect, the trilogy, because that's coming out on November 6th, um, on my 360. Yes. And that's just because I've been told and I've experienced and trying to play it on the PC with the mouse. It just doesn't feel right. No. Um, and, and I believe some games just should be played in like their native, you know, format or whatever. So, yes. um, that is an exception. And there are a few like rock band and of course, um, guitar or uh, rocksmith both, you know, are really, although you can get rocksmith now for the PC. That's right. But, um, but what I've seen with the PC though, is with, between Steam, which we talked about earlier, and which is listed in the article, I mean, that is such an enabler for PC gaming. It exposes you to all these cool indie games, um, makes it easy to buy them. Their sales are legendary for, you know, AAA games. Heck yeah. Or you, you know, it's, it's, it, it really... When I look at my library in Steam now, compared to my library for all the console games I have assembled over the years combined, which includes like, you know, well, I had a, I had a Nintendo, I had a Super Nintendo, I had an Atari 2600, I had, um, you know, a whole bunch, a Nintendo 64, um, a, a PlayStation 1, um, an Xbox, an Xbox 360 or whatever. When I, I take that and compare it to the library I have now, for um just for steam alone it's you know it's it's not even close i have oh, yeah. mm-hmm. i have 205 steam games <laughs> i can't believe you put that number out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how many of those games have you played mark now that you've said that number i don't want to talk about that <laughs> it was those sales over the summer in the june sales, is when the they sales, hit me. they forced the sales they make me do it i i mean <laughs> i've played all of them at least tried them yeah. But I, I haven't finished them all, that's for certain. And then good old games, I, I buy all kinds of stuff on oh, there. Yeah. Um, lately, I've also been on my PC like installing... Uh, I bought this thing, um, which is an Amiga Forever. Oh, yeah, I still need to see that. And Commodore 64 Forever came with uh. it. And so I have like all these games I used to have for the Commodore 64 and the Amiga back in the old days. And some of them are so good still. Like Vector Ball and Speedball or Speedball Two and um, tur- oh, like Turret Can One Through Yeah Speedball <laughs> um, 
Turrican, Turrican 1 through 3. Oh, God, you love those Turrican games. Yeah, and I was playing Turrican 1 the other night, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, I can play Terraria, which is like this new indie thing that's kind of like kind of like that mixed with Minecraft in 2D. Or I can just play, you know, <laughs> my my game. But I'm I'm rambling all over the actual fact, which is funny because I haven't been um drinking my normal Jack and Coke giant rum and coke tonight. But um <laughs> maybe maybe the difficulty in speaking while consuming massive amounts of alcohol keeps me more focused. But um but basically I think I am way ahead of the curve as far as being more of a PC gamer now than anything else. And I I do not like the pricing for console games. You know, I only buy those used if I if I can. Yep. Um, with penalizing. This. Huh? It's it's so expensive. It's an expensive. It, game. it yeah. is, and and it's the fact that everyone I know that has put any time into the Xbox 360s are on their first or their second or third one already. You're on your second one, right? Yep. Um. And I got a freaking Xbox 360 Elite, which was supposed to have yeah. all those freaking hardware malfunction, meltdown bugs built out of the system. And no, not true. Oh, got it. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it also the way the consoles seem to be slowing down. I mean, seven years for the 360. That's a long time. Um, but there have been so many great games, and great games still continue to come out. I mean, even Halo 4 looks really cool, and that just came out. And there are other games still yet to come that I'm really excited about, and I don't want to play on PC. I want to play Bioshock Infinite and Tomb Raider on my 360 or on my PS3. I don't want to play them on a desktop PC. And I know I can't play them on a tablet or a phone, so... And I'm, you know, that's. I guess I'm. I'm just different with those. I. I would. I really like Bioshock on the PC because I. Anything that's FPS, like I, with the exception of, of um, you know, a, well, there's a few exceptions, but mostly I like to play those, you know, on the PC. Although I have been playing Assassin's Creed um, One on my PC, and and I'm using an Xbox controller for it, so I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a good person to talk to about this. I, <laughs> this whole podcast is a fraud. Um, all of it. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> from my point of view, I, I definitely see where Chris is coming from and, and kind of agree with it. Uh, even from the perspective of Wii U, I don't know when, and sometimes I'm tempted to say if, I'll get Nintendo's newest console. Don't get me wrong, I really love the 3DS a lot. I never thought I would be in a position where I would prefer handheld to consoles because I waited a long time before I got any type of Nintendo handheld game, game system. But Wii U just doesn't look that exciting to me. And I just watched the launch commercial and was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be really cool. And when I watched it, it was just like, that doesn't even look like a video game console system. The tablet looks dorky. Yeah. I don't really want to play with that. And this Nintendo has faced this challenge before. The, a, a two-screen handheld system was really weird, and a lot of people were very resistant to it. People were resistant to the original Wii as well. Motion control gaming, and it's such a goofy little remote for the controller, but those have become huge successes. I'm just not sure, though, this time around, that that novelty, that mystery is really there. And I'm kind of banking my time to see, well, 
What are, what are Microsoft and Sony going to do for their next systems? Mm, good point. Yeah. How modest of an update is it going to be? Is is there going to be anything really radical about it? Is the next Xbox going to completely hinge upon Connect 2.0 or whether it'll be a good balance between Connect stuff, which is not supported in my current apartment layout? Right. And traditional controllers. I don't know what PlayStation's going to be like, but like you, Mark, there are so many great titles still to play and acquire yeah. <laughs> on PC that's just like, I don't have that much of an urgency. Well, yeah, it's true. And, you know, that, that was a, you've just touched upon an earlier, another point that he made that I didn't do such a good job of reinforcing, which was the consoles seem to be, especially the 360, I think he mentioned that you have to go through three um, different menus or tabs to get to the one that actually says game now. Yeah. It's like they're trying so hard to become this like multimedia center to capture you um, as opposed to being a game console. Um, and I, I think a lot of us find that frustrating because they don't do those other things very well. They don't stream you know video inc- incredibly well, except the, the Netflixing is all right, but you know they don't carry all of the ones you might want. They they don't do a good job of all these. Uh, you know you don't want to browse. You, do you really want to do Facebook on your console? No. Right. I mean it's so it's like they they're trying to make it like this media center must have killer app, but you don't have a Blu-ray player in a 360. You do in a PS3. Um, and and so it's like you know you I, I guess it's a, it's an alienating kind of thing. There's also the fact that the the, the way the um, companies are trying to squeeze in advertising and all this other stuff, oh, the, ex- the experience has become. I, I really don't like my 360s like main display just because of that. I feel like I'm watching MSN where only a tiny bit of screen real estate doesn't have something scrolling across it that I don't care about. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so there's that kind of going on as well, um, which. You know, I don't know what I don't know if these upgrades are only going to make that facet better and not do a whole lot for the gaming. I guess that's kind of my core point here is what will these updates do? Really? I mean, will it will it enhance your multimedia experience in a ways that you don't want or care about because you already yeah. have something that does it better? Exactly, or, yeah. Or is it going to be a whole bunch of innovative new peripherals and and um, you know, in, improved hardware um you know, where, like, you can have 3D games all the time, or, or, you know what I'm saying, it's just, that's kind of my concern, is that they're not really going to do much more than cash in on stuff that they can charge you more money for, with different services and stuff, so, Mm -hmm. I guess we shall see. The other thing we can only wait and see about, but we're plenty prepared to have speculation on, is Disney's Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm and LucasArts, all those games, all those other movies that aren't Star Wars, Indiana right. Jones and Willow and apparently Dark Crystal. There's stuff that I didn't even realize Lucasfilm was attached to. I saw some humorous tweets from people who used to work on Secret of Monkey Island that were writing fake tweets to Disney saying, hey, could we buy the rights back to our game, please? (laughs) We'd love to make a sequel. P.S. We have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 
But first and foremost, the thing that's been talked about is that against all odds, we really are going to get an episode seven, eight, and nine starting in 2015. And then eight and nine are supposed to come out every year, other year after the number seven. And then after that, every two to three years, another Star Wars movie. And then there's going to be television series as well. And there's going to be new rides in the Disney parks and potentially entire new parks altogether just based around Star Wars. And a, and, whole new, and a whole new version of Jar Jar Binks to love. <laughs> so, Mark, what was your initial reaction when you saw this story? So that was my cynical reaction was, you know, there'll be a, you know, they will explore way, they will explore the entire family tree of Jar Jar Binks and they will <sighs> travel to this um, planet full of giant headed mice that are very large and talk in high pitched voices. So we'll finally know where Mickey came from, but, <laughs> but, but more seriously. So, you know, kind of, you start out with Disney's buying Lucas films. Well, what did that do for Marvel comics? I guess that would be the best thing to look at. Um, when they bought Marvel, which was also for a whole bunch of money, right? Was it also 4 billion or it was, yeah, I think it was about five. It was a lot, right, for 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 that. So Marvel changed everything about the way they made their movies, and have I believe since then we've seen what Iron Man, one and two, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the other. Oh, and Thor. Yeah. And um, America. Captain America, and all of them are awesome. And so you kind of look at that and go, well, that that was successful. By by you know bringing those um, character you know doing their movie making themselves and not licensing it out like Spider Man and Spider Man being the best example and most successful one and then of course there's you know Ghost Rider <laughs> one and two and the Fantastic Four uh, movies one and two which I think most people would want to forget yeah um, but when they started to do their own specifically with Iron Man it was it took it to a whole new level I thought. I thought it was really well done. And and of course the Avengers is just a mind-blowing, you know, comic book uh based movie, I think. So, that could only be good, right? Mm-hmm. Um I I don't know that I mean, if I could really pick the next 3 Star Wars movies, I would want them to happen in the Old Republic setting, not Interesting. as sequels. You know? Yeah. Um, so I I think one thing that was mentioned was Mark Hamill and um, Carrie Fisher were asked by George Lucas to have lunch where he told them in advance that this was, this was all going to happen. And uh, Or, yeah, at least they were, he was going to make episodes 7, 8, and 9. Right, right. Sorry, yeah. And they were kind of like, wow, really? And, <laughs> and, you know, Mark Hamill, I think, is like, wow, it would be kind of cool. Um but yeah, I don't know that we need closure. I mean, I felt like like we had we had closure with Star Star Wars three. I don't know that we need to find out uh, more about those characters. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, apparently the story treatment and whether it actually gets used or not takes place thirty years after Return of the Jedi, which means that if there were going to be cameos or full-on roles for Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and 
Harrison Ford, it actually wouldn't be too out of the question. <laughs> They'd be about the age, maybe, because it's been about 30 years since they were in those movies. That's true, yeah. Well, more than that. But at any rate, the thing that I would love the first three, the next three movies to be, would be the Heir to the Empire stories, the first three expanded universe books written by Timothy Zahn that talk about what happens in the Empire immediately after it's been defeated. You've got all of these soldiers and ships everywhere, and the Republic's kind of in disarray, and there's a really fantastically written villain called Admiral Thrawn that kind of tries to do his own thing. And, it, man, it is such a kick-butt storyline. It would make a fantastic movie trilogy. But it would require new actors to play Luke and Han and Leia because they're all right in there in the middle of the story. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, so that, that sounds pretty cool, too. Oh, it's, it's, it's so good. I highly, highly recommend it. But the first, my first reaction was, what the hell? <laughs> I was kind of thrown off about it. But then subsequently, my initial thing, it was kind of like when I heard The Hobbit was going to be split into three movies instead of two. <laughs> yeah. Well, at first it was two movies and then it was three. And somewhere inside of me, there's some part of me that says, this isn't good. It can't be good. It's going to result in something mediocre. But then the other part of me is like, more Hobbit movies? It's like more Star Wars movies? Yeah, of course I'm going to watch them. I mean, I've been a diehard fan of that since I was a little kid. I mean, it's ingrained in me to love Star Wars. Even to oh, the point yeah. where I repurchased those freaking first three episodes and watched all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the classic movies again earlier this year. Uh, and I've actually really, really loved the Clone Wars computer animated series. It's really well done. It does a lot to remedy and make up for the poor writing and acting and just storyline in general of episodes one through three because the cartoon of all things is really well done. It is, yeah. I've been watching that a bit with my kids and... Uh have to agree with you. Yeah, and and I think part of that is Lucas is only kind of like a sign-off role in that. I mean, he was part of the original creation of the concept, but he has other people working on it, which definitely he is what's going to happen with these new movies. He's handed off executive producer duties to one of his main l- lieutenants who's been around since the 80s. And I'm sure she'll do a great job, but I think Disney also recognizes that the better they make the movies, as they saw with Avengers, the more that they will win out of it. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure they can do it. I know they can do a good job. I mean... Yeah. I just don't... I just dread those obnoxious Mickey Mouse crossover crap. You know, Mickey Mouse in a... Luke Skywalker outfit and Minnie Mouse and a Princess Leia outfit. It just it's already been done. Disney's done it because it's got Star Tours and it's got a modest Star Wars promotion throughout many of its parks. Oh. It's just like it makes me want to gag. <laughs> well, so much for that Christmas present idea for you. It's merchandising run amok. Although Luke's yeah. film and Star Wars at heart is merchandising run amok, but usually it's it's not cross pollinated with crap. It's just like there's good crap, like Han Solo. And there's bad crap like Jar Jar Binks. And you just separate one from the other. It's not like, well, I have to choose between Mickey Mouse Han Solo and Han Solo Han Solo. <laughs> right. 
But um, I, I don't know. I think it could be really cool. And if this also gets the live action television series off the ground, that could be really cool. The universe is so rich, and there have been many, many fantastic stories written for books, for comic books, even for video games, that there's rife material to work with. There's there's plenty of material to work with to make some really awesome experiences. I think so. Then what did you think about the, uh, what he plans to do with the $4 billion? That was really cool. That was a great find, Mark, that he plans to donate a lot of it to charity. Yeah. And not too surprising since he's getting jillions of Disney stock shares also out of this deal, which I don't think he's going to be divesting into charity. It's just the cash part, probably. Right. Yeah, he, I think it's really cool. I think, I think that that is one thing about, you know, George Lucas is he did give us Star Wars to begin with. Yeah. Might have faltered a bit with one through three. Um, but even then, if you look at them without the great expectations we all had, they, they don't, they're not terrible. They're still entertaining. Right. And, um, well, maybe they're terrible, but they are entertaining. But anyway, I mean, (laughs) but then he's just done some cool stuff. I mean, if you look at like, like Lucas films and the technologies that they've, you know, kind of advanced through Pixar got started, you know, yeah, with sound and computer animation and the fact that he took all those old, um, I call them old, but all the people that were used to doing models and stuff like claymation and stuff and said, hey, we're going to pair you with, you know, CGI experts in this new field and you'll be able to, you know, convert all your knowledge to, um, you know, this future technology, but you'll also be able to learn this future technology while you do it so you won't become irrelevant and so what they ended up with was like the best, you know, of the best for 3D animation where it just looked and felt so much better because these guys knew how to do scenes and they knew, you know, they already knew everything about what they were trying to do. They just had yeah. primitive tools before. I mean, that was so cool how he did that. Um, you know, what he's done for sound with like the THX stuff and everything. Um, I mean, he's really he's really been behind a lot of things that have have change the way we watch movies and what we expect and and then to be you know saying hey i'm gonna start i'm gonna change i'm gonna basically go into retirement but a kind of retirement where i'm you know dedicating most of my time to philanthropic um endeavors is just awesome to me it's very bill gates hats hats off yeah and i think it is time to pass the torch oh gosh yeah i think honestly what i thought about it is I knew that this empire, quote unquote, no pun intended, the Lucasfilm Star Wars empire would never die. But I felt I actually thought we'd never see a new movie or new media property until Lucas literally died. And then business interest came in, ownership changed hands or, or management changed hands. And then it'd be like, all right, let's make another one. Why not? I think it's really cool that. Someone right. who's such a control freak, and rightfully so. I mean, I can understand why he's so proud of and, and controlling over his property. It's really cool that while he's alive, he can say, you know what? I'm going to let somebody else do this. I'm going to finally concede the the crown, the ownership of this to other people, and let them run away with it and see if they can do something even cooler or they can match the wonder and magic that I originally created back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at what Disney's managed to do, 
I'm I mean I think they don't do a bad job of um keeping the integrity of their original characters that they have. I yes. mean I'm I'm not big on some of the newer ones, but in general, I think they, you know, they they do they do maintain what they have without totally whoring it out for money. What they did with Marvel has made Marvel like so powerful and and you know, it's like they're they're <laughs> they're they are so on top of the the comic book game right now as far as the movies and everything else they're doing. Um so they're successful. Um so if you want if you want the Star Wars Empire as it is, and I like that you used Empire, um, to be, to still be some semblance of what made it great in 50 years from now, I think Disney's got the right kind of corporate culture to do that. But there are a lot of other companies that could have gone with that wouldn't have done that. You know, where um, it would have morphed into something totally weird. Truly bastardized. Yeah, yeah exactly. The uh, pimping out, if you will, of Star Wars could have happened in a, without any other buyer. So, pretty cool. I'm I'm pretty psyched to see where it goes. Me too. I, I the, you know what I'm realizing is that let's see. For the next three years, we're going to have Hobbit movies, and then there's not going to be a lull. Then we're going to have Star Wars movies the next well, year after that. Yeah, plus there's going to be, you know, there's a bunch of stuff for Marvel coming out, too. So. Oh, my gosh, so many movies for Marvel. I think DC's going to have Superman and hopefully never a Green Lantern 2, ever, ever. Yeah, there was a lot of question going on with Disney acquiring Lucasfilm. What's supposed to happen to the Guardians of the Galaxy movie that's coming out? Because that's supposed to be, quote-unquote, Marvel's Star Wars. Right, it's, then there's a there's a big budget movie that's being planned that's going to have Rocket Raccoon and four other heroes that make up this intergalactic police force of Guardians of the Galaxy. And now with having Star Wars, perhaps the premier yeah. star, space sci-fi franchise out there, next to Star Trek, of course. <laughs> it's like, well, do you want to put money into this Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy thing? Who, who do you make happy? Do you make Marvel happy or do you make Lucasfilm happy? What are you going to get the most return out of? It'd be really yeah. interesting to see if both if, if Guardians of the Galaxy does continue to go forward. Maybe they're just so flush with capital they can do it all. Maybe <laughs> they don't have to pick and choose anymore. I mean that would two, be the best for us. fairly recent sale or purchases of $4 billion or yeah. as you said maybe 5 for Marvel. Yeah I misstated that, earlier. It was 3.96 for Marvel. Uh, they, but they're yeah. not uh, they're definitely doing something right. Yeah. And the Avengers movie made tons of money so they've got they've got a good model going there. And Universal really put the heat on Disney as far as the parks are concerned with its Harry Potter area which was the primary driver of new traffic and an, an increase in theme park attendance out of all theme parks in North America during the last year, last couple of years, it's all thanks to Harry Potter. And so universal is going to be maximizing that it's replicating its Harry Potter ride over in California and also over in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to be, it's rumored to be opening a whole other muggle Harry Potter area in universal studios to complement the wizarding world, Harry Potter area that's in islands of adventure. So Disney, I'm sure, especially seeing how much it did for Universal, is going to be like, all right, you know what? We're going to make all of this Star Wars crap, and maybe they're going to make 
Indiana Jones, more Indiana Jones stuff. <laughs> really cool. I'm pretty stoked for it. Yeah. This is a, a case, that could be a case where the consumer wins. It's just yeah. the artistic integrity and the, the feel of those movies. Do you, do you think, Mark, uh, this is something I've also seen debated, just one last thing, on the movies, do you think, how important is it, do you think, for the episode seven, eight, and nine to have characters, if not actors, if not, if not also their actors, in those movies, or do you think do you think uh, Disney should pursue having old Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia in Episode Seven, Eight, or Nine, or do you think they should have those exact same characters but brand new actors, reboot style, or do you think they should just ditch all of those people and have a completely new cast of characters? I like the latter, and then after that, I like I like a reboot. Um, and then my least likely is old Princess Leia in the slave girl outfit. That oh. would be that would be my worst case scenario. <laughs> be like the reprised slave girl scene. Once again, she's captured by a by one of these slug monster things, and so now you know. <laughs> I I like the idea of new characters, provided that they're well written and appealing. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about replacing classic characters with new actors. Although it worked out okay in the Star Trek reboot, so yeah. if well, that I, can happen, then those characters are so iconic. What I think would be cool would be I know I I don't know much about Star Wars after um after the you know the third movie, but yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that um Han Solo and Princess Leia have kids. Yeah, they get so, married and they have twins. So it'd be really cool if it was about the twins and, you know, you still had Luke and Leia and and Han Solo, you know, as minor characters. Yeah. It was all about the twins. That would be really cool. Or, you know, whatever else is going on. But, uh, you know, I could I could get into that. I just don't think I want to watch an aging cast, <laughs> you know, storming at another Death Star that's three <laughs> times bigger this time and and only one quarter percent completed or whatever. <laughs> um, and then, you know, of course, the somehow the the slave girl outfit reemerges. I just don't really want that at all. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Might have some bad dreams tonight. I'm not sure. Or some good dreams. Yeah, well, if it's the younger version, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Carrie tell us Fisher. What She'll be so Carrie will be so mad when she hears this podcast. She what? will. She's gonna write us a hate mail. <laughs> yeah, she will really be upset. <laughs> Listen, tell us what you think if you prefer young Leah or old Leah in a slave outfit. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Actually, just tell us what you think about this whole Disney Lucasfilm thing, as well as consoles being dead send your thoughts into mail mail at channelmassive.com and that is a wrap for our nice and tidy little episode 222 we hope you liked it I did I did too and we'll be back next week